grateful and honored that um, I have the opportunity to present the word of God. And um, if you know me and my husband, you probably know that we may shed tears sometimes. So I have my tissue here. I love the Lord. And yes, I am a passionate person when it comes to Jesus because he's everything to me. And um, when we talk about the nature of God, and um, it, you can't help. If you truly are, have a revelation of the nature of God, it is um, life-changing. It's life-changing. And um, when you have an open heart, and you just yield yourself to him, he will reveal himself more and more to you. And I feel that as we are in this, we're, you know, we're citizens of heaven, but as we are in this mission field, because this is a mission field, um, he's good, it's, it's, it's gonna be an, an everlasting thing of him revealing more and more of who he is. And facets of his love and facets of his goodness. Um, and so we're going to touch on the nature of God tonight. And um, my prayer is that we lean in. We can look at scripture and it may seem familiar to us. And just in the familiarity of the scripture, we kind of at times may disassociate ourselves or disengage ourselves in the moment. But if we are truly yielded and leaning in, he may reveal something deeper and revelation of who he is by our heart posture to him and us leaning in. So we may hear the same scripture over and over again, but he tells us to meditate on the word. So we can't just take the scriptures or the, the scriptures we're going to read tonight. And my prayer is that you don't disengage. My prayer is that we lean in because I truly believe that we all know that God is moving in the earth. He's been moving and we know that God's coming back and we are his hands and feet to this world. If you're a child of God, you're part of the church, the church of God. You're part of his body, right? And so we're the hands and feet of, of Jesus. We're the light in the darkness. And so we can't go trying to find the nature of God based on other, obviously there's pastors and there's people of faith that yes, they could, you can gain knowledge from them, but God has given us his word, the word of God. This is what we have, the word of God. And we have his spirit inside of us that points us to him, that point the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus, the word of God. This is the word of God made flesh. Jesus, the word of God made flesh. This is, this carries the truth. Not media, not social, uh, TikTok, YouTube. Yeah, that's great. 
there's facets, there may be facets of people on those areas of in the mission field presenting the word, but for you to have a personal revelation of, the, of who God is and his nature, it takes us diving into the word. And it may mean re chewing on a scripture over and over again until it becomes revelation to you, until God imparts something deeper in you. But I believe that tonight is going to be a night that my prayer, I have an expectation that tonight is a night that's going to transform us in our love for God like never before. And in that heart posture of recognizing his goodness, it will lead us into repentance. It will lead us into a desire to pursue his heart. And so let's just pray today, Let pray in this moment. God, I yield myself to you in this moment. I am privileged and honored to be your vessel in this moment. Holy Spirit, I pray that everything that, I, that is spoken today is, is flowed through you, God, that you will give me the words, that I will be sensitive to your spirit, to your moving in this moment, and I pray that we all are leaning in and that our hearts are open the skills are off our eyes. We are listening to you and what you want revealed in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Philippians 3, 7 through 11. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is a form of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, that I may know who? That I may know him. This is Paul speaking, and if we know the story of Paul, who was previously Saul, he was a Pharisee, right? He persecuted the church. But he had an encounter with Jesus that shifted the course of his life. And he, we, he is known to write most of the New Testament. He is known to really um, spread the truth of God to the church. His revelation of who God is totally transformed his life. I'm sure there are people here who may have had um, encountered a, revel a revelation of God that shifted the course of your life. And you said, God, I will follow you. I will serve you with my whole heart. Amen? And so we see here that Paul, this is his heart. He's, his heart is that I may know him. And that's my prayer is that we all will have that heart posture that we may know him. So to know him in the biblical sense does not mean to merely be acquainted with someone. Okay? It doesn't mean to be acquainted with someone. To know him is to know him intimately, to have a close, no secrets relationship. When we think of the word acquainted, we, we think of um, being familiar with someone. So yeah, I may have an acquaintance. I am familiar with that person. 
but to have an intimacy with that person means that there is a detailed knowledge of that person. To have a level of intimacy requires a communion between that person. Communion, relationship, intimacy. And in that place of intimacy, you have detailed knowledge. My prayer is that we are not a church that's just acquainted with our Savior. No, we are a church that is intimate with our Savior. We are a church that has a revelation of his love because when we have a revelation of his love, our posture is different. When we have a revelation of his love, it's easy to be his hands and feet because when you experience the love of God, when you've seen God transform you in a supernatural way, you're not the same. You don't talk the same. You don't love the same. The passion is different. How can I not lift my hands and praise to my Father when I know all he's done for me. No, that's not, that may look crazy to some people, but that's nothing. I can't do anything. Like that's, that's the minimal that I can do for my father. If I truly am intimate in the place of intimacy, and that's what, this is, this is what our relationship, this is what salvation is all about, right? Salvation, this, this life of being a Christian, this is not a religion. This is a relationship, a relationship that requires intimacy. I don't think that if we're saying we truly love someone, that intimacy is, uh, okay, I'll talk to you on Sunday. And, I'll, and the rest of the day, no, I don't call you. I won't do anything. I won't reach out. Mm, we're in passing. No, that's not relationship, right? Relationship is, hey, how are you doing? Like Benny Hinn, I don't, people may have different views, but he, I tell you, he loves Holy Spirit, and I read his book, and it was life-changing, and he said, every morning I wake up, when I wake, put my feet on the ground, I say, good morning, Holy Spirit. You know the Holy Spirit, if you're a child of God, the Spirit of God is inside of us? Do we, Jesus ascended into heaven, and before he ascended into heaven, he said, I'm, I'm not leaving you as an orphan. That's how much I love you. I'm coming back for you, but I'm not leaving you alone. I've given you my spirit, the spirit of the living God. If you're a believer in Christ, dwells inside of you. Do we say, good morning, Holy Spirit? Or do we just call on Holy Spirit when we need something? That's truly not a relationship either, right? If you're in a relationship and all they do is want and want and want and want from you, that's really, that's, I mean, imagine how that person may feel, right? So the nature of God, to the, the title of this message is revealing the nature of God, but to, to have the na nature of God revealed to us, we have to posture ourselves in a place of wanting to have that relationship. There's a posture of wanting to build the relationship through the word of God, through prayer, amen? Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Not half of your heart, not a quarter of your heart. He wants the whole thing, amen? We need to seek him with our whole heart. And you know what? It's not hard. It comes easy when we take the scales off. You know when it makes it hard? When the enemy lies, when, the, when there's distractions, when you're so faced on, fixed on the things of this world that you get so sidetracked on who God is. And that's what the enemy wants. If he, if he can get you sidetracked, you won't fix your gaze on Jesus. You won't love the people that he wants to call into his church. You'll be so fixed on your own condition. 
You'll be so fixed on doing things in your own might. But the Bible said not by might or power, but by his spirit. Amen? He wants us to seek him with our whole heart. The statement that I may know him echoes throughout the ages, and thousands of man-made religions have tried to pave the way to him, only to um, create frustration. To know God intimately means seeking after him with your whole heart through the leading of the Holy Spirit, in the word of God, and through prayer. And prayer is really just conversation. Prayer is communication between you and God. I think we try to make these things super spiritual. And that, that's the thing. When we make things, when we try to make things even more super spiritual than he created it to be, that's the man-made traditions. That's what happened in the Bible, right? We had these people who were after God in the Old Testament, right? They were after, they, there was a level of obedience to the Lord, and then there was a, a shift that took place. And there was all these, um, they fell to, to idol worship and all these different things instead of keeping God the main focus. I don't want us to be this church of losing our focus because there are people who need Jesus. There are people who come to this church every week who are hungry, who are carrying strongholds, who are carrying burdens. And we may be so blinded that we're not even willing to go and we're not, we don't even have the, the, the sensitivity to hear who God wants us to minister to. And so to be the hands and feet of Jesus right now in this time, we have to wake up, church. We have to wake up. I don't think it was ever intended for God, for us, for God not to um, let us know about his nature. Because in the Bible, it says that God created man. Let us make man in our image according to what? Our likeness. So if it was such a hard thing, I don't think he would have created us to be in his likeness. There's a commentary, a quote by Dr. Tony Evans. He says, God made his crowning achievement. Let us make man in our image, visibly mirroring God's spiritual nature. According to our likeness, visibly mirroring God's functional actions. God created us in his image. And it was sin that blinded us of where with Adam and Eve it was it was the fall of sin it was sin that blinded us um and and kind of blinding us in what was already God gave God gave Adam and Eve everything there was nothing lacking the Bible says that he walked with them in the cool of the day yes but what happened they hid they hid why did they hide there was shame. So there's shame. If there's shame, that means that you may be embarrassed because someone you care deeply for may know something. I don't know. I'm just saying. They're, they had to have known who God was. They knew who he was. This wasn't uh, a foreign thing. He was they were created in his image. He walked with them. He communed with them in the cool of the day. And so I believe that God wants us to know about his nature but I also know that the enemy doesn't because if you are so, if you're not aware of his nature you won't you're not aware of your nature if you're not aware of the nature of God you're not going to be aware of how to operate as a child of God
Jesus spent most of his ministry on earth revealing the Father to a people who once placed a premium on knowing their God, but had long replaced their knowledge of God with useless and empty rituals. People who do not learn the true nature of God through the word and by the Holy Spirit have only one other voice to rely on, and that's man-made traditions, and we kind of talked about that. And it's even crazier now than ever with, with, with the internet and everything at your fingertips. Everybody wants to tell you what it is about life or what you need to do, how you need to eat. What, this is the thing. No, the word of God, I go by the word of God. This is what tells me what I need to do and how I need to operate in my life. You know, um, and the, like, the Holy Spirit will lead us if we let him. The Holy Spirit will lead us. And Luke 15, we're going to go into Luke 15, and, and this, is where I'm, this is where I'm challenging all of us to lean in, not lean back, lean in. And um, let's hear this with fresh ears, because we've heard these parables before, we've heard these stories before, but let's lean in. So in Luke 15, we have three wonderfully revealing pictures of our Heavenly Father and how Jesus presented them to a people hungry to know him. So let's look at the scene, as Pastor Jerry would say in Bible school, Bible school plug. If you haven't signed up for Bible school, it's amazing. Okay. But um, thinking about the context of who these, this group of people are um, that were following him, the Bible says they were tax collectors and sinners that would follow him. And, they're in, and in this conversation that's taking place, there's also... Pharisees and scribes. So we know Pharisee, the Pharisees and the scribes. Pharisees were um, Jewish leaders. They were focused on the law. Um, and the scribes kind of interpreted the law. And then you have the tax collectors who people were really, they considered them sinners because um, they would take people's money and they were not really liked too much. Um, they worked with the Romans and so they were considered, they weren't looked upon with great uh, likeness. And there were um, who they identify as sinners, but I say we all have sin and fall short of the glory of God. But um, so look, look in verse one, it says, now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near Jesus to listen to him. And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to complain, saying this man receives sinners and eats with them. But isn't that what Jesus is supposed to do? It shouldn't have been a surprise, right? It's very obvious these religious people knew their religion. They knew their traditions. They knew their rituals. But they did not know the nature of God. He is the light of the world. And people in darkness are drawn to light. If you go in a room and it's dark and there's a little light, you're going to automatically gravitate to that light. And so this shouldn't have been a surprise. But the religious people were so upset. They didn't want this light, and they certainly didn't want anyone to uh, be persuaded by this light, to be transformed by this light. And so um, they, they walked in anger. But how did Jesus respond? He gives them the truth in pictures and illustrations, and although they have set themselves as his enemies, he still loves them enough to give them the truth. 
And so Jesus proceeds to give them three different pictures of who God the Father is and what we call parables. And parables are stories that Jesus shared, but it provided spiritual insight. And so tonight we're going to go into these parables and we're asking Holy Spirit to illuminate what he wants to give us a revelation, maybe corporately or definitely individually, of this spiritual insight that he wants to impart in us tonight. So the first one we're going to go into is the story of the lost sheep. Now lean in. <laughs> Luke 15. It's, uh, we're going to go to verse 4. It says, What man of you, having hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he found, has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise... There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. To me, the most telling statement is found in verse 5. When he says, and when he has found it, he put it on his shoulders rejoicing. Hallelujah. So what do we know about sheep? We know they stink really bad, right? <laughs> and if they're out in the wilderness and they're stuck somewhere, who knows what they were exposed to, and who knows how long they've been out away from the rest of the sheep. And so we know they probably have all different nasty things going on, gunk and everything attached to them, and the beautiful thing is that this shepherd had no care about the condition of the sheep in that moment. He was just happy that the sheep was there. And what did he do? He put the sheep on his arms, on his shoulders, and carried him close. And that's a beautiful picture of the father. Hallelujah. That's a beautiful picture. The, we had this um, series a few weeks ago about angels. And yes, it says, I mean, that you're gonna, the angels of God are going to rejoice over me? One person with a repentant heart? Wow. Are the, is the church rejoicing over the one with a repentant heart? Is the church bringing people into relationship? Are we spreading the gospel like we should? If it's so important, if it means so much to heaven, if it means so much to Jesus, how much more if we're his body? It should mean that much more to us. Amen? I mean, the thought of that creature wrapping around my neck may be a little repulsive, but the shepherd rejoices at having this filthy animal close to his face. No, honestly, I would be like, oh my goodness, I'm so happy I found my sheep. Um, but yeah, you know, um, if you're an animal lover, but um, it just is a beautiful picture of, of the love of God. He's not looking, you know, we are looking at our condition. We think, oh, I have to be all cleaned up. I need to have it all together because, no, no, I, me go to church? No, nah, I'm not ready yet. I got I to gotta, I gotta get it together. No. That's, see, that's a lie from the enemy. Jesus is saying, no, I'm drawing you. Yes, you are part of my, you're mine. I mean, I need you. I Come here. And what does he do? He puts us on his shoulders. He doesn't just throw the sheep back with the sh other sheep, Right? He doesn't say, okay, I got you now. Go back. Get back. No. He spends time with that sheep on his shoulders. 
And in that place, in that time, what's being built? Intimacy. My husband and I was recently on a trip to Israel, and it was just life-changing. I still don't have words, but um, we were able to visit the shepherd's field. And our tour guide, Abu George, who's a believer in Christ, and he was just, an, he's an amazing man of God. He shared this, um, just a, a story about um, the sh- about shepherds and sheep in Israel. And it was, you know, there are um, different biblical scholars will say different things about um, back in biblical times, what how the shepherd would bring the sheep back. And so, but one of the things that really stood out to me was he was talking about the intimacy being built, the bond between the shepherd and the sheep, when the shepherd is around the shoulders of, when the sheep is, are, um, is placed around the shoulders of the shepherd that the sheep, like after that time together, he's bonded. He's so close to the shepherd. And that's a beautiful thing. I mean, think about our life. Think about when you, when Jesus transformed your life, what was it like for you? I know for me, I haven't been the same. I really truly haven't. There's been seasons, right, where, you know, I may be that little sheep and I may wander a little bit and I may not even realize it. But hallelujah, there are people who are hands and feet of Jesus who will put me in check and with love and correction and discipline and guidance will place me back into that place together with the sheep because we can't isolate ourselves. And so the beautiful thing that I found is the intimacy between the sheep and the shepherd. And the love, the love that we don't have to have it all together to be in communion with the Father. He, his spirit is the one who's going to transform us. He doesn't wait for us to clean ourselves up. But he grabs us in the middle of our mess, in our garbage, and the smelliness from the sinful world and pulls us close to himself. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 It says, so then we must cling in faith to all we know to be true. For we have a magnificent king priest, Jesus Christ, the son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with us in our frailty. He understands humanity for as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way, just as we are and conquered sin. So now we draw near freely and boldly to where grace is enthroned to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. Jesus is saying, my father will never allow the depravity of your life to ever stop him from reaching you. Therefore, come freely and with boldness that comes from this fact and take hold of the mercy that sets you free from your past and fill up Fill up on the grace that will keep you free in the future. Hallelujah. This next one is the lost coin. We're going to be at verse 8, and it says, Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors. There's a lot of celebrating going on saying, rejoice with me. I can just imagine me calling some friends like, hey, girl, come here. Because I have found the coin which I had lost. 
In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So this is a theme going on here. There's some celebration and there's some rejoicing going on. But you may hear this story and you're like, okay, the lost coin. I mean, it's a coin. I mean, if I lost a penny, I wouldn't be crying about it. But this is significant. And so um, it, there are biblical scholars who say that this wasn't just a coin. This coin was known as a drachma, which is similar to a Roman denarius, which is about equivalent to one day's wage. But it, that wasn't the significant, truly significant part of it. This coin was part of a crown that was placed on uh, a woman who was to be engaged or married, and the coins was her inheritance. So I think it's even more significant than us losing a wedding ring. I mean, I would be freaking out if I lost a wedding ring, but I lose stuff anyways, and I'm thankful for my husband because uh, he finds everything. But, um, <laughs> but um, it's true. But um, the significance of an inheritance, wow. And when we're thinking about it, thinking culturally speaking, what would that look like in that time? if a woman walked around and had a coin missing from her head, headdress, right? That wouldn't be a good thing. There may be so many assumptions, accusations, so I'm pretty sure she was freaking out. And the fact that it was lost in her house probably made it even worse. Like, you're, you're looking and looking and you're fine. I mean, how many have lost things but you really didn't lose? It was like right in front of your face. You're like, oh my goodness, my phone, my phone. And it's in your hand. That's bad. <laughs> but I never did that, though. Did I ever do that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I did. But I'm just saying, if it's lost in your house, that probably, like, you're like, I think it's got to be somewhere. I know it's in here. But how many times, how, what if we look in our house? There may be people, even in our church, who may be the lost coin. You know, when it's talking about being lost, it may not be uh, like sin that we may judge as significant, like, oh my goodness, that is, that. no, that person, that's a sinner. When we over here gossiping or we're over here um, judging or we're over, I mean, we, we're over here walking in pride or we're over here being so boastful, look at me, I'm the best thing, I'm doing all this. Well, I mean, that kind of keep, is keep, like, there's nothing that separates us from the love of God, but if we want to walk in the fullness of what he has and we don't want to be distracted by these things, we have to let some be aware of these things, repent, and, and kind of walk different. But there are people, even within the church, you may have made an idol out of serving. And, I mean, we're grateful that you're serving. We're grateful that you're doing these things, but what's the heart posture of it? To be seen? That's a heart check. There may be people here, and it may, it may be, I'm walking in these doors today because, honestly, if, if I, need to, I need to know Jesus because I don't even know how I'm going to live tonight. I am so at the point of breaking that I don't even know how I'm going to survive. You know, there may be people who have a smile on their face, and they may be feeling tormented. But we may not be walking, we, we have, like, as children of God, as the body of Christ, 
Are we so self-in-tune, self-aware, self-absorbed that we're not listening? God, um, you told me to pray for that person. I need to reach out. Are we so uh, worried about what people think of us that, man, uh, yeah, I don't know if I really, do I really give what you want me to give to that person? Like, I really could use it for this. I'm being real. That's the truth. There may be lost coins that we need to pick up, dust off, and put back on the crown. And God wants that. And he's, right, we're the hands and feet. There was a season in my life where I felt broken. And you could be around people and have a smile on your face and no one even knows it. And I thank God, I thank God for the people who will call me. God told me I need to pray for you. Because I wouldn't. I wouldn't reach out. I'm thankful. That makes me want to worship him even more because he heard my cry. He picked me up as a lost coin, picked me up, dusted me off, and put me back on the crown. Jesus is saying, this, uh, this illustration speaks of the covenant, the commitment a man makes to a woman when they enter into a marriage covenant. And Jesus is saying, my father considers himself married to his people. And so when one is lost, he'll move heaven and earth to find that one who once had a place on a crown. You know, that coin may not have value to you, but that coin is value to God. That person holds value to God. You don't know what that person is going to become. You don't know the destiny, the call on, uh, that God has in their life. You, they may just be in this season of pruning and refining, but this season may propel them into their destiny that God has for them. You don't know. They may be the next great revivalist. You can't count them out because God is not counting them out. God is not counting you out. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. God has a calling for you. He says you are his, and he draws, he draws us close to him. That's the love of the Father. That's the love of God. That's the nature of God, that he pursues us and our weakness. He'll get, we'll get it together, but I, I need you back with me. I'm so grateful. The last one is the parable of the father and his son. And he said, and a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that is coming to me. And so he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey to a distant country. And there he squandered his estate in wild living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began doing without. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent in him into his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to have his fill of the carob pods that the pigs were eating. And no one was giving him anything. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired laborers have more than enough bread? But I am dying here from hunger. 
I will set out and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired laborers. So he set out and came to his father. But when he was still a long way off, he was still a long way off. He wasn't there yet. His father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf, slaughter it and let's eat and celebrate. (laughs) For this son was mine. This son of mine was dead and has, and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found, and they began to celebrate. The law of Moses called for the son to be stoned to death for disrespecting his father. And Jesus astonished his listeners by turning the outcome around, reflecting the real heart of our heavenly father. The scripture says, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf. Slaughter it and let's eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. They got it. They understood that the robe and the ring signified the father restoring authority of the son over all the father possessed. The sandals on his feet represented the father lifting the son up from the status of slave to restored sonship. This is a beautiful image of God's love towards us. I can just imagine, because I've been there, when you're not walking where you need to be and you think you have it all figured out, oh, no, I know, I'm a, I got this, not, not praying, not seeking the Lord, and then everything falls apart, and then what do you do? You're ruminating, okay, all in your thoughts. This, the, this son was, okay, oh, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to my dad, and I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not uh, he's not going to see me. As a, see, he already, lost, he already lost the truth of his sonship. He's over here saying, I'm, I'm not worthy to be a son, but the whole time he was son. That never changed. His sonship never changed because of his decision. It didn't change. God was still waiting for him. God was drawing him. And sometimes it takes that pruning season. Yeah, we, you know, God has given us free will. He's given us free will. He still is a loving father, but you can make those decisions. But he's not moving. He's still where he is. We're the ones who moved. But the beautiful thing that I love is that as he, I could just imagine, he's like, I can't even get any food. Nobody's, like, I would love to have, I don't, I mean, I don't know if I would love to, I mean, but the carob that the pigs are eating, and he's just like, I can't even get that. I'll, I, I can't even. He's like, you have to be on a breaking point to say, I will, I will do whatever you tell me to do. There's breaking there. I don't, I, I don't even need to be, I, I, don't, I know he won't even consider me son, but even if I could just do some, I could work in the fields, whatever. That's better than where I'm at right now. And as he's walking and ruminating, just a glimpse of the son and the father running to him. I'm sure he was probably like, what is going on? Like, he's running to me. And the the beautiful thing about this, he didn't wait for him to be all clean. He said, wait, that's my son. Get the robe. Get the ring, guys. 
It didn't matter how, how dirty he was, that robe was going on his son. That ring was going on his son. Those shoes were going on his son. He was reminding him, no, you're my son. No, I'm, I, I've given you authority. No, you're, let's, get back, let's get right back to it. God is saying to you, if you're feeling that you've been in this season of doing your own thing and feeling like, I, I, how could I get back to that place that I once was? Yes, you can, and you're going to do even greater things. You're going to do even greater things. You know why? Because when you get an encounter of God that transforms your life, you're never the same. And that hunger won't die if you keep the revelation of his nature in the forefront of your eyes. That gratitude, that heart posture of repentance, he will transform you. The Holy Spirit will transform you. But the beautiful thing is when that, that we see the image of the Father and his love for us, that he will put on this probably awesome robe in our state of uncleanliness and our filth because he loves us that much. And you have an assignment within this family. The ring signified something. It was, it was a status. There is an assignment on your life. There is an assignment for you with the kingdom of God. And so don't let the enemy hinder you from walking in the fullness that God wants for you. Amen? The father wasn't holding back reconciliation. The father longed for the son to return, and he didn't wait to receive an explanation, which is contrary to the son's rumination of thoughts. The father didn't even answer the son. He immediately restored the son without the son asking. And this is the nature of our heavenly father. He showers us with goodness so that we want to return. It says his goodness leads us to repentance. He showers us with goodness that he wants to reach, that we want to return so that we never again want to live outside of the Father's house. There's another story in here, and it's about the other son. We don't really hear much about the other son, but this is another awesome uh, revelation of the Father. The other son, we hear in the scriptures that... Um, you know, the father, I'm just paraphrasing now, but the father's like telling everybody, bring the fat calf, we're going to have a party. I'm paraphrasing. We're having a party, it's going to be amazing. Our son is back, woo! And then the son is looking and he's like, are you kidding me right now? I have been with you, father, through all his craziness and his mess, and you are over here having a celebration with a fattened calf? I can't even get a goat? Okay, I can't even have a party with a goat, but you're going to have this awesome fattened calf for my brother who was a hot mess. So there was a, there's some heart checks in there, right? So what happened? This is, I mean, I just put myself in the shoes. I'm like, oh, this is getting good. So he's like, so he's like um, you know, I'm not going in there. I'm staying right out here. This is really relatable. Come on, we're not, like, let's be real family dynamics. Are you kidding me right now? You're doing all this for him after all this that he's done? He's not seeing. His, his vision is blurred. He was so focused on the works and the doings, and I'm right by my daddy. I'm right here doing everything that daddy told me to do. You go ahead and you be in a mess, but I'm right here. I got it all. I'm right here. But the heart transfer, the heart check that took place there, what happened? In this story, 
The father is with his other son. He's back, everybody, he's back. Yeah, he's having a party. And he's like, wait a minute, my son, the other son, son B, I don't see him. Yeah, well, you know, he's out there. He's mad right now. He, ain't, he is not having it. He is not happy right now. What do you mean? So he goes out like an awesome dad. No, I need you. The, father, the son is like, you, I, can't, I don't understand this, dad. What, do, why, why do you, what is this? Uh, you're having a celebration. And he pleads with his son. He didn't forget the other son. He said, no, son, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. Rejoice, because he was lost and he's found. The love of God doesn't leave anybody out. The love of God transforms our heart to have compassion for our brothers and sisters. That's the love of the Father. That's the nature of the Father. He's like, he, he's so big. God is so big. He's the creator of this world. And like, when I hear that scripture, who am I that you're mindful of me? Yes, who am I that you are mindful of me, God? I'm just so grateful for God's love. When we have a revelation of his nature, it transforms us. I pray that it transforms us. You may be here and maybe you're hearing these parables and you can relate to feeling lost. And maybe this is your first time hearing about Jesus. Or maybe you accepted Jesus a time in your life, but you may have distanced yourself from him. You may be like the sheep who wandered off. Or the coin who may feel like they're, you're in the house, but it's all dusty and you don't even know how. Like, you just need to be reminded of your position, of who you are. It's not about works. It's about being intimate with God. It's about posturing your heart to him. Everything else is nothing, like Paul says. Everything else is nothing but to know him. It's nothing. I love the scripture, Colossians 2, 9. It says, for the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Christ, God incarnate, comes onto earth to show us the love of God, his redeeming love towards man to restore us back to that place of communion with God that was in the garden. John 14, 9 says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. We want to know the nature of God. It's in Jesus. How did he operate? What did he do? What's the nature of God? Look at Jesus. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus operated in love. Jesus ate with those who, oh my goodness, oh, you, did you see Jesus eating with that sinner? Yes, I thank God that he ate with the sinner. I thank God. 
I'm going to present a challenge in a few minutes. Because I think that this is important. Uh, you know, we come here every week. Our life is supposed to be a life of worship, right? And so we need to renew our minds daily. And my prayer is that we all get on fire again. Get that love back again. Love for God. Love for his church. Love for the lost. Love for the broken. Love that you would go into a store and God will say, I want you to pray for someone in aisle three. And that you will walk in obedience and say, okay, I'm going to do it because you said so. That kind of love. Because that will move mountains. Because you're trusting in Holy Spirit. You're walking in faith. You're being obedient to his call. And that's what he wants. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? So I'm going to present a challenge in a moment. We're going to come. I'm going to um, open up the altar. Um, and and that, the, this is going to be opportunity to just get real with God. And I'll pray. And we'll pray for anyone who needs prayer. But maybe it's just you want to go on your knees and go back to the first love. And that's an awesome thing. <laughs> um, but maybe you're here and you never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord. I am so glad that God drew you to be here tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isaiah 53, 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Romans 10, 9. Through 13, it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and richly, richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're here today and you never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to, I will be honored to pray that prayer with you. And I'm not, and this isn't about embarrassing you. This is just speaking truth that our days are not promised and that God loves you with an eternal love. And that he, he said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. He's called you. He loves you with an everlasting love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that anyone who will believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. If you're here and you never accepted Jesus and you want to say, yes, I want to make Jesus my Lord, would you raise your hand? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Maybe you're here. Maybe you feel like you've been this lost sheep. And you want to go close to God. You want to be around his shoulders. You want to rededicate your life to the Lord. You want to be on fire again for the Lord. 
you want to recommit your life to Jesus, if that's you, would you raise your hand? Amen. Amen. Praise you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're going to say this prayer together. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. So we're going to just say this prayer together. God, I confess that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I believe that you, God, sent your only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I make you my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for making me a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you said that prayer, um, we're going to open the altar for the last few minutes. And we're going to re- look. What did it say? This should be a great thing. They said the angels rejoice over one who repents, right? This is an awesome thing that God, like, that we get to rejoice and worship God together. But I'm going to play this song. And this is one of the songs for me, um, you know, when, we're, when I'm spending time with God, um, just meditating on him. I, there are certain songs that I'm like, I, I put my plate, myself in this place of intimacy with God. And we're, I'm going to play this song. And um, we're going to open the altar. The altar is always open. But I want to challenge us to just come to the altar. Whatever you're carrying, lay it down at his feet. If you want to worship him, worship him. If you need prayer, we're going to pray. And let's just spend a few minutes together just doing that. And then we'll go home. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, I thank you, Lord God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence in this place, God. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, for your faithfulness in our life, Father God. I thank you that you draw us close. You transform us, Father God. I pray, Father God, that we have a deeper hunger, a deeper revelation of you, of your nature of who you are, God. I pray, Lord God, that we would have a hunger for those who are lost and are broken and that you would lead us to those that you've called us to minister to, Father God, that we would be your hands and feet, Father God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that as your nature is revealed to us, Father God, that we would worship you with a, with a reverence, with a holy fire, Lord God, like never before, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that as we continue to seek you, Lord God, and just draw close to you, Father God, Lord, that you would just transform our life, Father. I, I speak against every stronghold in the name of Jesus that tries to bind us, that tries to bind us from who, 
you've called us to be that tries to rob us from our identity, that tries to rob us from our position, our sonship. No more. No more in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord God, for the destiny of each person in this place. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, that you've called us for such a time as this. I thank you, Lord God, that it's not by our might or power, but by it's your, it's your spirit, Lord God. It's your spirit that leads us, Father God. It's your spirit that equips us, Father God. So I thank you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that we have the oil of the Holy Spirit that's overflowing. It never runs dry. The light of Jesus is the light that pierces through the darkness. When people see us, they see you, Jesus. When they see us, we may sit in dark places. We may be in dark places, Lord God, but your light shines through. Your light shines through and it bring, it attracts people. And I pray, Lord God, that we have that light that attracts people and that we can't help but present the gospel, the gospel of salvation, the gospel of love, the gospel of reconciliation to those who need it. Lord God, just like you, Jesus, you drew in the sinners, Father God. They just heard a taste of your goodness. And Lord, they wanted to know more and more, Father God. I pray, I pray, Lord, that we have that hunger and I pray that we are fully equipped. You have equipped us. I pray that we are ready ready to love those that may feel unloved, to love the ones that may be unbroken, to love the ones that may be different from us, Lord God. But as we love them, we present the truth, Lord God. And you said your goodness leads us to repentance, Lord God. So when they see your goodness, they have a taste of your goodness. It transforms their life like it transforms our life, Father God. We are never the same, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I pray, Lord God, for every family member in this place. There may be family members in this place who've drawn from you, God. There may be praying parents, praying, praying for their child to come home, praying for reconciliation, praying for restoration, praying for them to get on fire again for you, Lord God. I stand in faith right now, and I say, Satan, take your hands off of the children. Take your hands off of our children. Take your hands off of the generation that's called to bring the message of the gospel. We say no more. You can't have them. Our children will know the Lord. Our children will serve the Lord. Those who are in dark places, we say, come home in Jesus' name. You said there is no distance in the spirit. Thank you, Jesus. There's no distance in the spirit, Lord God. And Lord, if we are in you, Lord God, we can we can pray on their behalf. We can intercede on their behalf. We may not be there, Lord God, but your spirit will bring them, will draw them and draw them, Lord God. And so we thank you. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, for this church, that this church is a, a hospital for the broken and that we are fully equipped and fully prepared. Lord, we are walking in love. We are walking with compassion. We are walking with the truth of your word. We are fully equipped with the armor of God to reach people, to stand against strongholds, to bind every captive, every thought, every adversity, every demonic influence. We can bind it. We can walk in the truth of who you are, Father God, because you've empowered us with your spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, our desire is to be in intimacy with you, that we would walk in intimacy with you, that we will come back to our first love. That will we, we will be transformed. Hallelujah. Lord, that when people see us, they see you, God. That's our desire. Our desire, Lord God, that we would be transformed so that we can do what you've called us to do. 
Thank you. Thank you for every person who's given their life to you. We rejoice. Just like the angels, you said that the shepherds rejoice, and he called all his family and friends. Lord, just like the woman who rejoiced for the lost coin, we rejoice. We rejoice for those who's given their lives to Jesus because you rejoice, Lord God. We rejoice for those who rededicated their lives to you, Father God. And, Lord, our heart is set on fire for you. Hallelujah. A holy fire. A holy reverence, God. We bless you. We give you all the praise, all the glory. Come on, just thank him in the last few moments. Let's just thank him. Come on, thank him. Hallelujah. He loves your praise. Hallelujah. That's why I worship. I thank him. I thank him because when I was lost, he found me. That's a reason to worship. Hallelujah. That's a reason to lift up your praise. You don't need no musicians. You don't need the instruments. Your heart posture of gratitude, of adoration and thanksgiving. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God. Thank you for your presence in this place, God. Hallelujah. You're worthy, God. You're faithful, God. Oh, you're holy, God. You're a great father. You're a great father. Hallelujah. Bless you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I thank God for his presence. He is such a great father. Hallelujah. And he wants intimacy with us. So my challenge today, tonight, is don't just be acquainted with him. In these moments, yes, it's beautiful to come together, together as a corporate body, but he wants to have intimacy with you. So I pray that he speaks to you in the midnight hour. I pray that you have visions and dreams. I pray, Lord God, I pray that you are never the same. I pray that there's a fire inside of you that will grow more and more, that you just can't help but open this word. It's going to be more than just looking on a phone. It's going to be, I need the word of God. I need to just sit with the word of God. And he will illuminate. He will reveal himself in a deeper, deeper way. Just posture your heart and get ready. Amen? Amen. Well, I pray that... Tonight has been a blessing, and, I, and I, I'm so grateful for those who accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I want to ask you, if you have accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, we would love for you to come up as the service is dismissed. We want to put a Bible in your hand. And we'll give you some information. We want to stay plugged in with, we want to like make sure that you're plugged in. And if you have any questions, we want to be able to answer that. And if you have prayer needs as we are dismissed, we want to pray with you. Don't walk out of here carrying it. God, the presence of the Lord is here and he's setting people free already. But um, we still would love to pray with you. Amen. 
Amen. God bless you. Traveling mercies on your way home. Thank you for this congregation, Lord. Thank you for hungry hearts, Lord God. And Lord, I pray, Lord God, just that you would continue to bless them, lead them, guide them, Father God. Protect them as they go home, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. You are dismissed. <laughs>